right. <clears throat> Good morning. My name is Dwayne. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that, that is called to disciple, encourage, and challenge the people of God. Uh, today is uh, September the 9th, and we are working our way through the book of Acts. Last time we were together, we got down to Acts chapter number 17 and verse number 31. And of course, we see Paul here. Um, he is in Athens. He is speaking on Mars Hill, and he is addressing the philosophers. Uh, these would be Stoics and Epicureans, as they were described. And in verse 22, he says that he perceives that they are su too superstitious. Um, and then he notices the altar to the unknown God, whom therefore they ignorantly worships worship. And he said, that God is the one I'm going to declare unto you today. And then he begins to go back and declares that this God made all things therein. He made the world and seeing that he is both the Lord of, of heaven and earth, he doesn't dwell in temples uh, that are made with hands. And of course, I mentioned that Paul was not very seeker sensitive. Um, First words out of his mouth were offensive to both the Epicureans and the Stoics, um, in that uh, you know the uh, God. He's clearly declaring that there is one God, not a pantheon of gods, and he's talking in a city where they literally have thousands of gods <laughs> in these temples, and he's saying this God doesn't dwell in a temple made out of your hands. Neither is he worshipped as though he needed anything from you, since he's the one that gives all life, all breath to all things. And then he says in verse 26, we'll get down there, let's see. In verse 26 he says, And hath made us one blood, all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth. And of course, that one blood is referring to Adam. We all come from Adam, uh, some, none of the other translations use the word blood, but they all do say uh, we have come from one. Uh, the King James uses the word blood. For example, the NAS, he has made from one every nation. And the NIV um, <clears throat> says that uh, from one man he made every nation. So the meaning is not lost. Uh, but uh, uh, Paul is definitely teaching that we all come from Adam, uh, which, of course, challenge, uh, challenges um, evolution today that says that we do not. Um, I put something here. I guess Paul didn't totally understand the science of evolution or the Christianized version of evolution called theistic evolution. Um, and that's what's crept into the church today, that... Um, God just, um, he was the initiator, but he allowed it all to happen through evolution. Um, well, you know, Paul obviously didn't believe that. He said, we all came from Adam, um, all nations, all men for to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined the time appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That literally means that God is sovereign over man and his boundaries. Um, that word bounds there uh, means to li means limit placing 
or of drawing a boundary line. It means that God has predetermined man and predetermined man's boundaries. Um, and of course, if you've ever studied Daniel, Daniel lays out exactly uh, who the nations would be and who would replace them. Um, <clears throat> very interesting study, and we'll get back into Daniel one day. I, I kind of forsook it because I just wanted to dig in. Trust me, I'm only a few verses of he- ahead of ahead of you. <laughs> I mean, I uh, just taking my time. I want to focus on this. Um, so we're good. we're going to work our way through the Book of Acts, and when I get comfortable with that, I'll go back uh, to Daniel. But let me encourage you when you begin to. Um, rightly uh, divide, when you begin to um, get a different perspective on the book of Acts and what God is doing, was doing, is doing, and will be doing with the nation of Israel, it changes uh, almost everything. Uh, it, 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 uh, you begin to understand that the Old Testament is not about you. <laughs> it's not about the body of Christ. It is about the nation of Israel. It's the difference between promises and mystery. Uh, the promises are for the nation of Israel. The mystery is as pertains to the body of Christ. And newsflash, there is no body of Christ. There is no mystery in the Old Testament. So you stop reading the church into the Old Testament. I can't tell you how many times I've read this. I've heard the Song of Solomon taught that it's referring to Christ and his and his bride. Um, there was no um, the bride. Number one doesn't refer to the church. The bride of Christ is the nation of Israel. Uh, the nation is the one that Christ is betrothed to. He is not betrothed to um, the church, the body of Christ. So therefore, we are not the bride. So Song of Solomon is not referring to Christ and his church. <laughs> Song of Solomon is referring to Christ and the nation of Israel, period. Uh, finito. It ends right there. So, I mean, it just totally changes you. You're, the, you're, the way you you see the Old Testament. Uh, and as I'm working my way through, through Daniel... Uh, I can I can see the error of my previous ways, uh, so it does. Acts to me is it, it is the transition, it is the pivot point, it is uh, your understanding of Acts will determine your understanding of the rest of the Bible. Um, so again, um, you know, just because Paul talks about the church as a as a as a wife does not automatically make the church the bride of Christ um you know again uh, you know it changes everything so you got to get acts right you know acts is the transition acts is the moving from peter to paul from from the law to grace, from the kingdom gospel to the grace gospel, uh, from Jerusalem to Antioch. If, if you don't understand that transition, when you get into Romans, uh, you're going to end up being a covenant theologian. 
you're going to end up being replacement uh, in your theology when it comes to the church in Israel. And I submit to you that most, the majority of those in the church today who claim to not be covenant in their theology still teach a form of passive uh, replacement theology in that they make the church Israel. Uh, Anyone who um, teaches, for example, the bride of Christ is the church, is making the church Israel. God's not betrothed to the church. God is betrothed to the nation of Israel. So again, I mean, the book of Acts is, 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 the, is, is the linchpin, if you will. If you don't properly understand that, it will shade everything else wrong uh, in, your, in your theology moving forward. So I think it's a worthy study that we need to focus on. Uh, and I don't know how and why it took me so long for my eyes to be open to that. But uh, anyway, I just praise God that they have. and It's revolutionized the way I, I study, uh, the way I interpret, and the way I even apply um, Scripture. Um, so, let's see. So he's determined the times appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And we've already went over this. Verse number 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like gold, silver, stone, graven art of men's device. In other words, he's saying since we come from God, in other words, we are we we come from Adam, we were made by God, we were made in his image, and since we know that we come from this God, why are we in idolatry? Why do we... Um, Remake this God using gold and silver and stone engraven by art and men's device. Why do we do this? And he says, and the times of this ignorance, uh, don't know what I just did there. And the times of this ignorance, God has winked at. Um, but now uh, commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Um, so he says, um, while God winked at the ignorance, um, he now commands every man to repent. So from the context, he's obviously not talking to the Jews because the Jews were not as idolatrous as the Gentiles were. The Jews had already received the oracles of God. Uh, the Jews knew better. It was the Gentiles here. And he's saying that God has winked at your idolatry, but now he commands every man to repent. Um, And that word repent just means you need to change your way of thinking. You need to turn away from your idolatry to this Lord that created the heavens and the earth, the one that he introduced when he began to explain this unknown God. Why? Because one day... (laughs) God's going to judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. So he points to the resurrection uh, 
as the justification for why they need to repent and why uh, judgment is coming. Um, now notice, and we'll get in the new territory here, verse number 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius the Arapagite, and a woman named Damaris, Damaris, and others with him. So notice the response um, to Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. Um, some mocked it, and some considered it. Some thought about it. Some um, just dismissed it offhand. No way that could have happened. And some said, hmm, you know, this is something worthy of consideration. Understand that the resurrection is the key component. It is the key element of the gospel. Not only the grace gospel, but the kingdom gospel. Uh, under the kingdom gospel, had Christ not risen from the dead, the kingdom could have never been legitimately offered at Pentecost if Christ be not risen from the dead. Christ had to suffer. Remember, he persuaded them in Thessalonica that Christ must needs have suffered. Christ had to go to the cross. Christ had to be crucified exactly the, the way the Old Testament said that he would. He had to be buried. He had to raise again the third day, and he had to ascend. All of those things had to happen before the kingdom could legitimately a bona fide offer be made by Peter in Acts chapter number 2. So the resurrection is essential to the kingdom gospel, and it's also essential to the grace gospel. Uh, the grace gospel is simple belief in that death, burial, and resurrection. So the resurrection is essential to both. Uh, Paul spoke to this in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some... Uh, among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also in vain. I mean, without the resurrection, there is no gospel. There is no good news <laughs> if Christ be not risen. Um Yea, and we are found to be false witnesses of God. Why? Because we told you that God raised him from the dead. And if God be not raised from the dead, um, then that means that the dead do not rise. In other words, the witness was false because the apostles, the twelve, saw the res witness the resurrection, not Judas, uh, but Fern and Matthias. And Paul also witnessed the resurrection on the Damascus Road during his conversion. And he says, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain, and you are still yet in your sins. And all that died before you, they have perished. If, this, if in this life only we have the hope in Christ, we are of, of, of all men the most miserable. So the resurrection is necessary for both the kingdom and the grace gospel. Without it, we would have neither. Um, 
So one final point on these verses in regards to those who did believe the grace gospel, they were Gentiles, since that is the audience that he is addressing. So they responded favorably, just like the the Philippian jailer before. So howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. And those who believed were Dionysius and a woman named Damaris and others that aren't mentioned with him. So he receives a favorable response to the presentation of the gospel of grace here. Now, notice in chapter number 18, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Um, Interestingly, Paul didn't get thrown out of Athens, (laughs) which was... uh, uh, which which had been his pattern. (laughs) He uh, was used to getting thrown out by the unbelieving Jews that stirred up the cities against them. But this time, uh, he appears to have left under his own accord and his own timing. Uh, So things were looking a little better. Uh, Corinth is just south of Athens. It was a very important city in that while Athens contained the scholars and the academics. Corinth was the seat of government for Rome in the region. So one was very academic, the other is very government, governmental here. Uh, And then notice in verse number two, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, uh, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, And why were they there? Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to get out of Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. So here we're introduced to Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, They had been um, kicked out of Rome. This is the first time, interestingly, in the book of Acts that we have a a cross-reference for a good date setting. setting. Uh, so we do see Claudius, and it's when Claudius uh, kicked the Jews out of Rome. Um, this is also the first time that we learn that Paul had a trade um, as a tent maker. Um, so obviously that trade had been passed down to him from his father. Uh, the Jews had a saying, he that teaches not his son a trade is as if he taught him to be a thief. Um, So no doubt, Paul learned this trade um, from his father, and probably his father's father before him and and all the way back. And no doubt, uh, they first began to make these tents for shepherds, um, but now they were probably making them for the soldiers as well who use these tents. Uh, Today, the term tent maker uh, has come to refer to someone who does not receive full-time income or pay from the ministry and has to do something else on the side to make ends meet. Um, So when you meet, you know, a missionary that has a, you know, a, a secular job or you meet a um, a pastor who pastors a church, but he also works in a secular occupation. Um, many times we'll speak Christianese. Um, 
we call it Christianese, we'll say, well, that, that person is a tent maker. Uh, that means he, he makes his living, he earns his money, not only, not all from the ministry, but from some other occupation. So Paul was a tent maker, um, as apparently was um, Aquila and Priscilla. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So again, we find him every Sabbath persuading both Jews and Greeks. And next time, my time is up, we'll talk about why does the church worship on Sunday and not Saturday today. We'll take a take a look at a few things here and next time we're together tomorrow morning 6 30 a.m god bless you guys good to see you um mac scott otis uh god bless you hope that you guys are having an awesome day and um uh, we'll talk about the sabbath uh, tomorrow we'll also see that um paul breaks another thing here with the synagogue he doesn't get kicked out of it but he leaves it. Uh, we'll talk about that as well tomorrow when we get together. So, well, God bless you guys. Have a great day.